Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, and welcome to the Pet Pod. This is the podcast that's all about pets. I'm Zara Boland. I'm a vet, a consultant, and an all-around animal lover. And each episode, I'm going to be joined by one or two of my veterinary friends and colleagues from across the pet healthcare industry so that we can offer you handy tips and some expert advice to help keep your beloved family pet healthy and above all, happy. Today's podcast is supported by YouMove, the UK's number one vet joint supplement brand for dogs. Clinically proven to work in just six weeks, YouMove is recommended for older dogs who are starting to slow down and show some signs of stiffness. They also have a range of products available to help younger dogs and canine athletes to stay on top form. And you'll be pleased to know that they also have supplements available for cats, horses, and even us humans. Now, as you may know, my own dog, Rumba, has been taking YouMove for, well, it's about six weeks now. And she's actually just a month away from her ninth birthday, so she's getting on a little bit in years. But I'm very pleased to say that although she's slowing down in certain areas, she's still convinced that she's a lap dog and does try and climb onto my lap at every given opportunity. (laughs) So do keep listening and I'll continue to keep you posted on her journey. The team at YouMove are on a mission to make sure that every dog, cat and horse lives their most active life for life. And that's why they're offering a very generous 40% discount code to anyone who listens to the pet pod. So visit their website, youmove.co.uk, and just enter the code PETPOD40 when you get to the checkout. Today's episode is for all our cat lovers and anyone with a feline friend in their lives, because we're going to be discussing everything we need to know about our fluffy companions growing old. Now, my guest is Dr. Sarah Caney, who's a specialist in feline medicine, as well as being chief executive of Vet Professionals. Sarah has also written several books for both cat owners and vets, including a really good book called Caring for an Elderly Cat, and we'll be adding lots of show notes at the end of this podcast. So, Sarah, welcome to the Pet Pod. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Now, Sarah, there's an estimated 10.9 million pet cats in the UK, which is a huge number and equates to almost a quarter of all adults in the UK actually owning a cat. And as you and I both know, they are really amazing little pets. My own cat, Scamp, is a rescue. He's a real character. And happily, he's a relatively young five-year-old at the moment. And it's thanks to all the advances in medicine, nutrition and overall lifestyle that our cats are actually living longer than they ever have today. But that said, I think it's really important that we understand the complex aging process of our cats to make sure that they have a good quality of life for as many years as possible. 
So I think that the starting point really is, you know, lifespan and, and how do we define a senior cat? Because obviously it can vary from breed to breed and individual cats have very different life, lifespans depending on their lifestyle, environmental factors, nutrition, everything else. But, but what would you consider to be um, the age at which a cat enters their senior years? It's a fantastic question because, um, I mean, I, I think it's great that through my lifetime, certainly I've seen cats ages advance in a, in the similar sort of way that our own ages have. And um, I first qualified as a vet uh, 25 years ago and, uh, well, a bit more than that now, actually. And at the time, it would probably be typical for a cat to be considered lucky to reach the age of, let's say, 14. That would be considered a very advanced age, whereas now there are many, many cats in their 20s. And it's just wonderful. And actually, it's not at all remarkable as a vet to see an 18-year-old cat, whereas, again, 20 years ago, that was something you'd get quite excited about. So cats definitely getting older. But in terms of when I think we should think of them as senior, I would follow the International Cat Care Life Stage Guidelines. And that is age 11 years and upwards is considered a senior cat. Okay. Is there also a delineation between senior and maybe the not so kind term, but geriatric, the elderly senior, if you like? (laughs) Yes. So again, you know, great to bring that up because um, uh, our life stage charts have often included this category of geriatric, which, as you've already alluded to, is, um, I think, quite rightly, an unpopular term. It really, to me and to many others, the word geriatric sort of conjures up this falling apart, decrepit, sort of sorry looking creature. That's not a positive thing. And there are so many cats now that are in that life stage, which is 15 years and over is, right. is the what we would have called geriatrics. <laughs> but wonderfully, again, in my opinion, this has recently been rechristened by International Cat Care as the super senior. Oh, I love that. So a little bit like a superhero. Yeah, it's so celebratory I think it's just wonderful so now if you have a 15 year old or a 20 year old they are super senior they're like supercharged super great and super special definitely oh I much prefer that that's great okay so then we consider senior um, from the age of 11 and super senior from 15 I'm so so going to start using that term I really really like it Yes, me too. Much more positive because some of these little guys are quite healthy, you know, just because they're they're older. Um, I mean, obviously, they're they're a little frailer and they have got special needs, which we'll move on to now. But there's no reason to to consider them and that that horrible term of geriatric. I'm so glad I have a new term to use. <laughs> I totally agree. It's it's fabulous. And the other thing that's actually, I think, really lovely is that um, international cat care in their life stage poster, which if you just Google iCat Care, uh, how old is my cat? I think you will find it. Um, It has a human equivalent age. And so you can see, I think for the first time, quite credible human equivalent ages. So the 11-year-old is 60, so a 60-year-old person. And a 15-year-old is 76. So that's the sort of scale. And it makes sense to me then when you're thinking about health changes, um, age changes, to think of those parameters. And, of course, we know lots of people who are 
in wonderful health in their 60s, 70s, 80s. And it's the same for the cats in their equivalent ages. That's great. That's really helpful, actually. And what we can do is we can add that link into the show notes so people can can find that themselves. I think that's that's a great tip. And so let's go back then to um, living with our with our aging cats, because um, it's not always easy. Sometimes an 11 year old cat, well, more often than not, is fit, healthy, young, vibrant looking cat. And we, we might not necessarily be aware or even cognizant of the fact that they, they will be having some changes within their bodies. So what might be some of the common signs that we could start to notice that can help us to understand when our cats are beginning to slow down and when it's time maybe that we need to intervene and bring bring them to see the vet? Again, I, I think that's just a great question because um, it, you've already, in the way you've asked it, acknowledged that it is very difficult. Um, I think the same in people as well. A lot of age-related changes, they happen very slowly, very gradually. So it's not normally possible to see day-to-day changes, but it's more a question of maybe looking back six months and thinking, have things changed in the last few months? And this is where I would be a very passionate advocate for having good contact with your vet clinic. And uh, many Many vet clinics are offering senior healthcare checks and really embracing that as a, as a possibility. And even if, particularly at the moment, um, actually physically going to a vet clinic is probably very daunting in terms of your own health and safety COVID-wise, actually just speaking to the vet, speaking to the nurse, discussing your cat and making sure that you're keeping on top of any little changes that you've seen, um, I think can be very, very helpful. No, that's really good advice. I'm, I'm a big advocate of that. Um, well, those regular wellness and um, senior wellness checks as well. They can they can really pick up things that we're not going to notice as, as cat owners, but which we can, we can start to identify as vets. Certainly things like, you know, some deterioration and maybe eyesight or or hearing, but but let's talk about some of those things. So, what what will we start to see as a cat owner? So, I know activity level is is a is a difficult one, particularly with cats because they don't tend to be the most active at the best of times. And so, you know, we can notice them potentially sleeping a bit more, but it's not so easy to see that. Yes, and and uh, I think you've you've hit on a really good one to start with in terms of mobility problems because. As a vet, um, I, I know that osteoarthritis, arthritis affecting the joints of, of the legs and the spine, um, is really very common. And in fact, a few studies have indicated that uh, more than 90% of senior and super senior cats have x-ray evidence of arthritis uh, in terms of x-ray surveys that have been done. Gosh, that's high. So phenomenally high. Um, and therefore, many of those cats, it's estimated about half of those cats um, have some pain associated with that arthritis and that will have an impact on their mobility and their quality of life. Um, But as you have uh, uh, said in the question, really, often what's noticed is that the cat may be seen to be spending more time sleeping or in one place. Um, And that is so often uh, interpreted as normal cat behaviour it's obviously very difficult for a carer to know, well, is my cat sleeping more because of this uh, perhaps pain and arthritis or is this normal behaviour for my cat? And because arthritis often affects multiple joints in multiple legs, 
cats don't tend to limp and they're they're clever they're not they're not dumb creatures so they adapt their lifestyle and their behavior to try and live with that pain in the same way that uh, an elderly person probably would as well so they perhaps don't go upstairs as much as they used to or they don't go out into the garden go out for walks as much and those spotting those changes day to day can be very difficult but again this is where the health questionnaires that your vet and your vet nurse would ask you at those senior health checks hopefully will pick up uh, changes in mobility, quality of life and so forth. That's a really good point. Um, and I think maybe another one to look out for is a reluctance to to jump up onto their, their cat tree or their cat post because we know cats absolutely love being up high. It's one of their one of their things. They need to be able to see and look around them and have that kind of vantage point. And so perhaps a reluctance or, or doing less of that and it being more of an effort could be another indication. Absolutely. Or or hesitating. You often see the elderly cat will they'll they'll walk up to perhaps where they want to jump up and they'll look at it and they'll think about it and they'll have a little bit of a wobble and you know maybe they'll go for it or maybe they won't so it's all of that uh in fact there's a questionnaire on on my website which i can add add the link for you which is a a health questionnaire for senior cats and uh, the mobility section of that questionnaire talks about have you noticed any change in your cat's enthusiasm or ability to do certain things like jump up jump down use the stairs use the cat flap and it's it's a combination but you do you need to train yourself a little bit as a carer in terms of what to look out for what these little clues might be mm. no that's that's a really good point and we'll certainly put um put the link to that questionnaire in, in the show notes on the episode but let's talk then about some other some other things we might notice because another indicator could be um and this could actually be an indicator of, of an underlying health condition not just aging but decreased grooming we know cats groom the whole time (laughs) yes yes and that I mean that's a good one actually for arthritis as well because if you're sore if it's painful turning your neck or if it's painful grooming over a sore joint then you might start to neglect that Um, but there are other conditions as well that can affect grooming so um, another common uh, condition in elderly cats would be cognitive dysfunction syndrome which is the cat equivalent of Alzheimer's disease, dementia. Um, And that uh, grooming behavior is often affected in that condition. Um, Some cats with thyroid complaints as well will have very poor coats and altered grooming. And I guess if I were to have one top tip for the whole podcast, it would be if you notice any change in your cat, however unimportant it might seem or however you question yourself as to whether it really is something to worry about I would always tell your vet clinic because often these little clues actually they're really helpful in terms of spotting illness. They can really reveal uh, quite sometimes significant underlying health conditions can't they? Yes. Where we can make a difference and improve quality of life and manage um, the underlying condition more often than not so Absolutely. I mean, our ability, even with the incurable diseases, the progressive diseases like kidney disease, we we can do so much more now. And so this is partly why we thankfully have so many very, very old cats, because modern medicine uh, has come a long way in, in the vet side as well. 
As has diet. I know diets, are, you know, very nutrition is a very important um, tool when it comes to helping support our elderly cats, well, throughout life, but particularly for diseases like kidney disease and diabetes and, um, and other conditions. So let's talk a bit about diet because that might be something we can look at as well to help our elderly cats age better. Um, this is a topic that's a bit close to my own heart, <laughs> but what are your recommendations for, for aging cats in terms of the food we should be feeding them to help help support them? Well, I think there's a number of, of different aspects of, uh, to cover, really. And um, I would start with always choosing as high a quality diet as you can um, and uh, just really revisiting our, the previous topic of dementia. Um, there is some research that high quality diets that have lots of antioxidants in them and nice fatty acids uh, actually help to protect brain function um, and uh, help will help to delay onset uh, of signs of dementia in cats, as well as potentially helping joints as well in terms of uh, similar to many of the, the mobility supplements that are, are used in, in people and in dogs. These supplements, either as supplements or also within the diet, uh, can have a positive impact on mobility. Um, but there are very uh, specific uh, illnesses which also where diet is really proven to have a massive impact and kidney disease is is the the star candidate for that prize because uh, we know absolutely without a shadow of a doubt that if your cat has kidney disease and you can persuade it to eat a, a specially formulated diet for cats with kidney disease it will typically live two two to three times longer and uh, in cat terms that's that's massive that is really massive I mean translate that into human years so that's huge yes and think I think diet can make a, a very very significant difference as, as cats age and I think another part of that is not necessarily either all about the nutrients is it because cats that are aging might lose their sense of taste or their smell um, and and that's also a very important aspect for for being wanting to eat and being attracted to the food and so maybe some tips that you can help us with here like um, heating food to room temperature for example or you know the, the feel of it in the mouth maybe you can talk us through some of those yes well it's certainly true that the older cats their their ability to to get the maximum nutrients out of the food um, does decrease a little and their sense of taste and smell as you've said can be affected so appetite can tend to to drop a little bit um, and often I would say actually cats are very good at training their owners um, and <laughs> we we notice when whatever delicious morsels we've put out for our cats aren't quite as well received and we tend to actually oblige by going off and uh, either choosing a more premium brand or perhaps cooking some fresh chicken or fish uh, to supplement the food so I, I think often cats are quite good at sending us little messages like that but in a very busy multi-cat household it can be a bit more competitive and that then can leave the elderly cat a bit more vulnerable um, if worried about uh, a cat's food intake then as you've said warming the food a little bit uh, can help with an older cat as well I would say raising the food bowl is useful because of the arthritis being so prevalent um, even um, just getting a, um, a mixing bowl from your cupboard turn it upside down and put a saucer on the top of it um, you've got a raised surface for your cat to eat from um, but actually if you look online you'll see lots of raised bowls are available uh, some very beautiful options available for cats now <laughs> and uh, I noticed certainly with my own cats as they've got older that they really definitely found it easier to eat and drink from that elevated level that was one thing that could help um, 
sometimes mashing the food a little bit if it's if it's wet food if your cat has any dental issues or has lost teeth um, adding a little bit of water to the food uh, there are individual preferences obviously in there um, and trying to to respond to your individual cat's needs um, but um, but yeah certainly there are plenty of tips out there no, that's really helpful. And I think you allude to a great point there. What's the saying? Dogs have owners, uh, cats have servants, <laughs> I think. Yes. I'm definitely my cat servant, that's for sure. And it's only going to worsen as he gets older, I can tell already. Uh, what about, um, we've touched on them, but we haven't really gone into, into any detail about the common health issues that can arise. So we know arthritis is a very, what you've um, just taught me now, extraordinarily um, prevalent issue with our elderly cats. And we've touched on, on hyperthyroidism and kidney disease, but um, maybe you can talk us around a few other common health issues that, that can occur in our cats. Well, something we've not mentioned, um, but I think is increasingly we're, we're appreciating is very common, is high blood pressure. Uh, systemic hypertension, which of course is very common in in ourselves. Uh, Probably uh, many people listening to this will either have high blood pressure or someone in their family will. And we're now uh, estimating that probably more than 20% of our seniors and super seniors have high blood pressure and this is uh, previously has been a little bit hidden um, and I think we're, we're coming to appreciate this more and more because thankfully now it's relatively unusual for a vet clinic to not have facilities to assess blood pressure so we're we're assessing and monitoring more cats and we know uh, some of the important well the most important cause of high blood pressure is kidney disease and chronic kidney disease affects more than a third of elderly cats and between it's a little bit of a large scale but the current estimate is between 20 and 60 percent of cats with kidney disease. So let's say a third of them, just to put somewhere in the middle. A lot of them have high blood pressure. And very similar to the situation in ourselves, it's it's a silent killer because it doesn't make itself obvious until often it reaches a crisis point, which for a cat is often sudden onset blindness. The cat's suddenly not being able to see because of either bleeding in the eye or or detached retinas as a result of that high blood pressure. But it is very, very diagnosable and very, very treatable. So um, if your vet clinic is offering blood pressure screening as part of the senior check, that's brilliant, you know, and and, uh, because then you can identify it before it's caused problems and, and it can be treated very successfully. With medication? Yes, with medication, yes. And that's that, that's another question then, because I know a lot of people will have trouble giving tablets in particular to cats. So um, uh, random question, but does it come in liquid format? There's actually two products that now have a license for uh, treatment of, of hypertension in cats. One is a tablet and it is actually, uh, I think, and uh, the uh, International Cat Care also think it is uh, easy to give. It's won one of their, their easy to give awards. I think it's chicken flavoured. Okay, that helps. <laughs> it appears to be quite palatable and it is uh, a really nice, small, cat-friendly size. And actually, many cats, if they're not easy to give a pill to, and actually quite a lot of cats are not difficult to give a pill to, but if the cat is not easy, this is often the sort of product which you can hide in just a tiny bit of food and the cat won't notice it. Um, so it is. it does seem to be very easy to give. The other option is actually a liquid. 
and so there there are both options um, available. Um, and if you yes, if your cat's recently diagnosed with this, then it's have a discussion with the vet, obviously related to your cat. But there are choices, which is great. Well, that's great to know. Really helpful. Um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I, I remember um, so many people I've, I've tried to, to help giving, you know, showing how to how to pill a cat. And it's it's all well and good, I think, when, you, when you're in a vet clinic. Well, not always. <laughs> but um, more often than not, when people come home and the cat's wised up to it, it can, it can be very tricky. And I've heard all the horror stories with towels and, and everything yes. else. <laughs> I have to say... If you want some something really uh, joyous to see, then um, I will uh, also have to give you the link for this for the show notes. But we had a competition um, through my business, uh, Vet Professionals. We do a lot of interactions with uh, cat owners. And we had a competition for people to send in videos of themselves giving their cats medication. Oh, I love them. <laughs> and it's absolutely brilliant. With So it was put together um, with some sponsorship into a lovely montage of... Uh, uh, different owners giving their cats pills, uh, a couple giving liquid uh, and giving their tips for how to give it. So and the, the wonderful thing from my perspective was that um, I think in all of the videos, it was one person doing everything. Fantastic. Um, and then the other, another person was doing the film or the film was filmed by their, their laptop. But it, literally they were sort of doing it all on their own in all sorts of different ways and showing yeah the different ways you can do it very successfully and the cats all look you know pretty happy about it I think there's one exception a hyperthyroid cat that looked a bit grumpy um (laughs) but probably not related to the pill but yeah it's 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 a really nice video sequence and and so if you're looking for tips on different positions to try that's also helpful but I I have got another couple of little videos on my website as well that uh, have uh, tips for pill administration Great. Well, we'll definitely add the links to that. Um, and then let's talk about, because you touched on there, hyperthyroidism, because yes, it can cause some some mood changes as well as everything else. So maybe you, we can just have a chat about, about that, because I know there's also another, one of the treatment options for hyperthyroidism, obviously, is surgery. Um, and then aging cats have a obviously higher anesthetic risk for surgery as well. So we have a little chat about that side of things. Yeah, so hypothyroidism, um, just to give a little bit of background, it, it probably affects about 10% of older cats. So again, if you've had a, a number of cats or you've got friends with cats, you probably will have come across this condition. And it's an overactive thyroid just to, yeah. Yeah, it's usually a sort of benign overgrowth of the thyroid tissue. Um, very occasionally, it's a, a more nasty cancer, um, but usually it's a, it's a sort of benign overgrowth overgrowth of tissue, which causes this whole range of, of signs, the typical being a cat that's really, really hungry, eating lots and lots of food, and yet losing lots of weight. And also that is often uh, behaviorally uh, affected in terms of um, restless, agitated, stressed. Um, so it uh, might seem very active and you, and you might think as an owner, well, it's great. My cat's so active and always on the go, but they're losing weight uh, and they're eating a lot. So um, it's usually very straightforward to diagnose. So that's a, a blood test that, that confirms it. And then treatment wise, there's actually a number of options. Um, there are what, what I would call reversible options which you need to do forever to just hold the disease at bay and that is medication which again there are tablets and liquid options available 
There is also a, a special diet uh, which you can use, which is very low in iodine, um, and that too can sort of hold the condition at bay. But you do need to feed just that food forever and or until you pursue a different treatment. So um, as a clinician, I would always be wanting, if possible, a curative, a permanent treatment. And then the two options for that are surgery, the one, one you mentioned, uh, and radioiodine, um, if, if you have uh, access to that facilities. And that's um, a very good treatment from the cat's perspective, but sadly not as widely available as, uh, as we would like. So, so yes, yeah, surgery is, um, uh, is definitely a very good option, but like you say, in an older cat, often can be worries about the anesthesia. Um, and uh, typically we would stabilize the cat medically before surgery and really, yeah, think very carefully with each case as to uh, how risky or otherwise we felt the procedure was. But certainly for for many cats, uh, even really old cats, um, again, anaesthetic, our ability to manage anaesthetics safely and to monitor them safely has come on such a lot that actually the risks nowadays, again, compared to 20 years ago, are you know much, much smaller. So uh, it's not often as, as scary a thought as uh, perhaps it might seem. And and if you can cure the condition, that's, of course, wonderful. That's great. That's been really helpful, Sarah. And I think it's it's brought up another point in my mind as well as you've been talking is, you know, not to be afraid of anaesthetic. Obviously, it carries a risk um, like everything else. But as you said, if, if there's a potential for, for a curative outcome, I think it's really important to obviously just always discuss it individually with your vet and be guided by them. Um, but things such as, as dental disease, obviously, is, is another common thing that happens with our aging cats and can very much necessitate a surgery. Absolutely, yes. I w- yes, if you'd not mentioned that, I would have brought that up because that is, it's always, uh, yeah, very difficult discussions that uh, often um, come from uh dental disease in old age because of course with dental disease you know if you don't do something about it it's only going to get worse but at the same time you worry as well with certain patients about their ability to cope with the anesthetic Um, but again like you said I think it's it's about uh, being able hopefully to do as thorough a health assessment as you can to find if there are any other uh, problems that might affect your your cat's ability to cope and then having that sort of really um, frank discussion with your vet and and I think be reassured by them much of the time because uh, you know we're all now so used to seeing much older cats that it is it's not necessarily anything unusual to do uh, to have dentals on a 20 year old cat whereas again 20 years ago that probably would have been very rare be unheard of absolutely absolutely well, well speaking of things like dental disease and in fact the last podcast we did was all about dental disease so we won't dwell on it um, but it, it brings me brings to mind some of the steps that we can take um, when our cats are younger that can kind of improve their health in, in later years and obviously good dental care is 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 a very important and pertinent one um, but what else can we be doing with our younger cats to help prepare them for for a healthy elderly senior years well, I guess, you know, another problem we've, we've not mentioned because it's not so much of a elderly cat issue, but definitely a, a cat issue is obesity. Uh, again, you know, lots of parallels with, with our own health. Um, and unfortunately, yes, quite a, a lot of middle-aged cats uh, will gain too much weight for their health and that will in the long term have negative impacts. And uh, again, 
as with ourselves, diabetes often in cats is linked to obesity, um, but also it's going to put more strain on on joints and other organs. So uh, that's definitely one to keep an eye out for. And a tip for I was going to mention for the older cats, but actually really for cats of any age, particularly at the moment in in the sort of COVID era we're in, would be that uh, I personally think a good investment for a cat owner is actually some scales to monitor body weight at home. And the sort of scales I'm talking about are are often advertised online for weighing babies or, you know, sort of pediatric scales. Um, They're not necessarily medical quality in terms of um, perhaps the physics, but uh, and cost maybe 20 or 40 pounds that sort of price point um, but um, can be exceptionally helpful for monitoring weight at home and in general terms obviously we want to maintain a healthy weight in an old cat uh, often actually weight loss is a prelude to illness and uh, so if you can see the weight is coming down again that's the time to contact the vet and, and have a chat. That's a really good point and I think in, in in combination with that I'd always advocate doing body condition scoring fairly regularly as well so that you're not just getting the weight but you're looking at the actual body condition and whether that's fat and, and obesity tendency or what the muscle mass is as they particularly as they get older as well it's important to try and maintain that so lots to bear in mind. Yes absolutely. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And and also the an advantage of starting in the younger cat is you know what's normal for your cats and normal in health, which really is is useful. No, that, that's really good. And and not that difficult to do. It's like getting into the habit, which I have from my, my last podcast. I'm brushing my pet's teeth now <laughs> to get into the habit of uh, of weighing and body condition scoring them fairly regularly too. It's it, it's just a habit forming exercise and it really does pay off, I think, in the long run and, and helps to, to mitigate or at least um, slow down the onset of some of these potential age-related conditions. So then let, let's circle back to um, some of the age-related conditions that we discussed earlier. And perhaps 
perhaps you can give give us some indicators or, or tips from managing cats, for example, with arthritis or or those that that succumb to unfortunately kidney disease. Okay, so starting with arthritis, I think there's there is a lot we can do. And again, sometimes our cats will have subconsciously trained us to do some of these things without us even realizing. An example of which would be. Um, if our cat's favourite sleeping place is on the sofa and uh, we have noticed that getting on the sofa is a struggle, then many of us will just know when our cat wants to go on the sofa and we'll scoop them up and lift them up and we're the impromptu sort of stair lift or whatever. <laughs> um, so uh, that that happens, I think, without us uh, realising. But sometimes, again, particularly in busy, busy life, it can be these things can pass a little bit unnoticed. It can be hard to spot. Um, so so if your cat is diagnosed with arthritis, I think a useful exercise after that point is, is going home and, and trying to look around uh, your home and your cat's lifestyle during health and think, well, what can I do that can make things easier? Yeah, so make it cat friendly, senior cat friendly. Yeah, senior cat friendly. So the cat that loves looking out of the the, the window, can it get to the window as easily? Or if I put a chair uh, that can jump onto first, perhaps, you know, its mobility is fine to get on a chair and then it can get on a windowsill. Or for a cat with very severe problems, well, how can I make a really lovely, comfortable bed that's at floor level? And uh, a bed that my one of my elderly cats with severe arthritis, uh, what I did, which he loved, was I had a pillow, a nice feather pillow. And then on top of the pillow, I had a heated pad, one of these electric heated pads that could be plugged in and left on all the day. And then a nice fleecy blanket. And he could just walk on and walk off. And it was soft and warm and cushioning and perfect for him. Sounds wonderful. You've got me talked into it. (laughs) (laughs) So there's lots and lots of things like that. Raising the food and water bowls, uh, making sure that your arthritic cat has access to a litter box, even if it previously would have normally gone outside. Going through a cat flap can be quite uncomfortable. So offer a litter box, offer a litter box which has a low access point and that has a fine sandy Uh, cat litter that's comfortable to stand on Uh, and a clumping cat litter is always really good from my perspective because you can monitor also what's being passed in the litter box and keep it really clean so all of those things definitely can can really help the cat with arthritis as well as obviously speaking to the vet clinic cats with severe arthritis uh, will uh, often benefit from painkillers and there are painkillers that are licensed to be used and that are safe very effective absolutely brilliant um, in terms of restoring quality of life so I think the main uh, tip again would be not to hesitate to contact your vet and discuss those things there are a whole range of of, uh, supplements and and painkillers that uh, that can help and that's great advice. And I think the other point, just you reminded me as we were talking, is um, is water. I, I know, we'll, which is a key part when we're talking about kidney disease, which we'll move on to now. But I think having different varieties and options for water access can be really helpful, particularly with cats. Some of them obviously like it running and the fountains are great or dripping taps, but others like it. And my, my cat particularly loves to drink from my dog's bowl, which is massive. 
<laughs> but I think he particularly likes it because his whiskers don't touch the sides. And <laughs> that's right. Yes. Yeah. No, it, you're absolutely right. And I think with the older cat, the, ma- the the first tip would be to have lots of of, of locations. Yeah. So wherever your cat is, they don't have to walk very far, because cats are not very good at drinking. Their origins were originally in the desert, and they're very very adapted to survive on little uh, fluids. But uh, as they get older, they they do need a bit more support with that in general. General. And going back to diet, uh, we, we talked about um, some time ago, um, I would say if possible for an older cat, I would generally recommend a wet diet rather than a dry or a mixture of the two. Just again, because older cats don't tend to be as good at drinking, they're more vulnerable to dehydration. So anything you can do to just support that, I think is, is positive. Okay. And then other tips for managing kidney disease other than diet? Diet is definitely the biggest one with kidney disease. That is absolutely the most proven. But I think the main thing for, from a kidney disease perspective is, is it's a complicated illness and that every individual is, is affected in slightly different ways. But there are lots of symptomatic and supportive treatments that will help with whatever those challenges are. So, for example, a lot of cats with kidney disease suffer from nausea, feeling sick, vomiting, having a poor appetite. And there are treatments that are very effective for that. So, again, if you see that in your cat and you're worried about it, you know, definitely talk to your vets. Some cats struggle with staying hydrated. And so doing as much as you can to encourage drinking can be helpful. So making you can make sort of soup for your cat, uh, flavoured broths to help uh, up their fluid intake and, or even just add water to their normal food. And if you do it very gradually, lots of cats will cope with that. They won't turn it down. To be honest, I've actually done that with my own cat and he's only five. But he had um, we had a, a little bit of um, an... Uh, obstructive urinary obstructive issue a couple of years ago and he's a young male so it's fairly typical but I started to just add water to his wet food he gets both and now he's addicted to it and he just laps up all the water first which is great I'm delighted that's absolutely perfect And something that has surprised me is that there are, you know, there are some cats that really love, love, love dry food mm, and they won't eat wet food. That's right. But actually some of the cats that will only eat dry food, what I would often call a dry food addict, um, they will eat uh, dry food to which you add water. So don't rule out that possibility. If you're thinking, yeah, I can't get my cat to eat wet food, add just even, you know, a couple of teaspoons of water to the, the biscuits, let the cat get used to that slightly different texture and see how far you can go. And I've, I've had some owners that have been able to to get the dry biscuits look like sort of porridge and the cat will still eat it. And <laughs> so much it for texture. <laughs> yeah. So whatever works, right? Yeah. <laughs> stage, yeah. No, that's great. Um and then let's go back. Let's circle back because I want to talk about the um you touched on on feline Alzheimer's or dementia early earlier on in the discussion. I think it's a really important one that potentially is also quite underdiagnosed. Yes. So maybe let's have a chat about some of those symptoms because I know they can, an example might be obviously cats are nocturnal anyway, but there might be a lot more evening, nighttime activity and vocalizing, but, but maybe you can talk us through what to, what we can look out for. 
So it, we are really mainly talking about behavioral changes with, with cognitive dysfunction. And you quite correctly have hit on one of the big ones, which is vocalization at night, this sort of nighttime yowling, which uh, anyone who's lived with it knows instantly what I'm talking about. I, I have lived with it too. And so I have great empathy for anyone who's currently living with it. Um, but this is the yeah situation where often you, your cats might sound like they're in actually quite a lot of distress you know there's a sort of real yowl in the middle of the night and you leap out of bed and you offer your cat food a cuddle you know all those sorts of things um, and there doesn't seem to be a reason for it and uh, this is yeah often something linked with cognitive dysfunction but also important to rule out other illnesses uh, hypothyroidism can also do this and also some cats with high blood pressure because that can cause little bleeds in the brain. So um, always important to, to rule these things out because cognitive dysfunction is um, a diagnosis of exclusion. We have to cross everything else off the list to, to diagnose it. Um, but other changes you might see with it w- would include some cats become very clingy and will not leave your side, will follow you around, will be very upset if you leave the room. Um, other cats will become very withdrawn. Some cats are quite grumpy with uh, people and other animals in the house, so it can really affect behaviour in all sorts of different ways. Uh, Grooming can be affected, both increased and decreased, but more typically decreased. And uh, yes, a whole whole host of of things uh, similar to as you would imagine in a person with dementia, actually. So the forgetfulness. It might seem a funny thing to say about a cat, but you will see, you know, the cat might walk into the room where you are and just look a bit confused and why am I here? And stop using a litter box, uh, apparent loss of of learned behaviour. So all these sorts of things. Um, And even though it's uh, similar to Alzheimer's, we we haven't got a cure for cognitive dysfunction in cats. There's a lot we can do, again, from a primarily an environmental perspective to create a supportive home and make sure that the cat feels safe and secure and has all of the the resources they need, the food, the water, the litter box, the bed, so that they, they don't feel distressed by their condition. I think that's really useful to, to, to remind us of, of. And I think another key part to that would be um, keeping the environment as, as familiar as possible. So not moving furniture around, for example, unnecessarily, which could further disorientate a cat that's already struggling a bit. Yes. I mean, it depends a little bit as well on the, the severity of signs. In, in uh, Probably an important thing to mention is that um, it, in the very early stages and before it's even happened, um, a bit like ourselves doing crosswords and Sudoku, <laughs> um, stimulation is, is good for cats. So mm. a little bit of mental stimulation, play, uh, interaction, that's probably as positive in staving off feline cognitive dysfunction. But for the very badly affected cats, yes, the sort of stable, safe uh, sometimes if you know cats are very badly affected that means that particularly if you're not at home there is a room where the cat goes where they can literally see everything they might need the food the water the bed the litter box and uh, you have things like fell away the cat pheromone that makes the cat feel more 
calm and relaxed and maybe some music there is some cat music you can get now which uh, and some evidence that cats have a species preference interesting bird, bird sounds or <laughs> well no, it's it's yeah slightly strange music from a from my perspective but sort of repetitive I think some of it's tonal and similar to the purring and it's not the sort of music I would have probably on in the background of my house <laughs> But our cats like it. That's what's important. <laughs> but yeah, there is some data to support it. Um, yes. I mean, a lot of people have traditionally put classical music on, calm mm. classical music on for cats. But if you if you use Spotify or any of those sort of subscription services, um, you can actually search for cat music. And there are some albums and they have, to a certain extent, been tested on cats. There are actually some papers out there that... Uh, uh, have supported the fact that some cats may have a preference for their, this sort of music. So Fascinating. Wow. Yes. <laughs> okay. One of the things we haven't talked about, but we probably should talk about when it's, when it's knowing when it's the right time to say goodbye. It's the hardest decision we're ever going to have to make for our, for our pets and for our cats. So obviously anytime we have a concern or even the thought crosses our mind that that we need to start thinking about it it's time to talk with our vets but for me it always comes down to a quality of life discussion and so you know what would you say are some of the key indicators um for for the owners of of elderly cats um about when it might be time to to have that chat with a vet or what they might notice in terms of quality of life deterioration Yes, it's it's such yeah such a, a a difficult but obviously important topic to cover. Um, I think my my key message would always be really to trust your instincts as a carer. Um, you know, you know your pet better than anybody, and quality of life. Um, you know, it, it's it's not always something that you can. I believe, grade numerically. There are structured systems available for scoring, you know, appetite and behavior and so on. But really, it comes down to often you looking at your pet and thinking, how are you? Are you okay? And if they're not okay, the next thing obviously is, is there a fix? You know, Speak to, speaking to the vet clinic, is there anything we can try that we've not tried or tweak that we should, you know, that might change things? And, you know, often there, there is. Um, and I think a lot of owners quite understandably worry about perhaps a, a vet is going to recommend euthanasia as one of the first options, shall we say, when in reality, as, as you will know as well, it's always the very, very last resort. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the important thing is maintaining contact with the vet clinic and saying, you know, have we done everything that you think we should? Um, and where it is clear that, yes, unfortunately, we have. Um, and very sadly, I had to face this situation myself recently with our own cat oh, sorry. who um, developed a very severe cancer, very aggressive cancer. And once we knew that was the diagnosis and we knew, unfortunately, with it being a carcinoma, there was there was absolutely nothing medically we could do. I'm sorry, sorry. It was, uh, oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it was all about quality of life. And every day, all of us at home looking at him and saying, has today been a good enough day? And if we can't make it a good enough day, then, then this is the time to stop. And it is very very difficult but I think um, trust your instincts would be my number one recommendation there 
It's the hardest decision, the hardest decision ever. Um, and it's not, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it can be sometimes easy for non-pet owners to, to brush it off and go, oh, it's just an animal. But it's not. This is a huge member of your family that you've had, as you've just said, maybe up to 20 plus years. Absolutely. Yes. You know? So, yes. you know, and there are, I know Cats Protection, I think, have um have a very good helpline for people who are struggling with bereavement and grief um, after after losing their their pet. But uh, do you have any other? I mean, how, how have you managed to cope? It's very so hard. Oh no, thank you. It's um, well, uh, I'm lucky that because of my work, I, I work with people who love cats and recognize the value of, of uh, pet ownership as you've just said you know it's the it's the non-pet owners who who often don't can't really understand which is is fair enough so um i think the blue cross also have a bereavement service which uh, uh i've not had experience of but it is available um but i think um again my approach has been to try not to force any expectations onto myself as to how I should feel or when I should feel over it. I mean, I still actually feel quite in grief for a a cat of mine that died in 2011, who was very, very special to me. Um, But uh, so, you know, we have to, you know, like human relationships, acknowledge that if they are important at the time, they're going to remain important in the future. Um, And reach out to friends and those that we know will understand and be a shoulder to cry on if not in reality again in in covid era over over a zoom or in in a back garden somewhere (laughs) everything helps though yeah everything helps and i think speaking to those people that um that know what you're going through and if you feel perhaps you don't have friends or relatives that will understand then your vet clinic definitely will and every vet clinic uh lots of tears shed over other people's animals you know there's a lot of very caring people in the vet profession so if you're feeling I think at all lonely and sad and not able to access someone to talk to then speak with the vet clinic that you've used it's really good advice I know that we've we've focused a lot on on some of the issues and, and problems that senior cats can have, but there's a lot of benefits to having a senior cat. So maybe we, we, we can just touch on some of those. The positives of maybe giving an older cat a happy home, because sadly, we mentioned COVID a few times um, during this, and, and it's still very much ongoing and will be potentially for quite some time. And one of the downsides that, again, we've touched on in other podcasts is the increased rate of, unfortunately, people abandoning their pets and and worse their their cats for for the irrational fear potentially that they they have it or could even pass it on to them which I'm not even going to discuss here because it's so ridiculous and been done to death but it does mean that there is a, a surplus of senior cats looking for homes at the moment and they can be really really rewarding pets can't they absolutely yes I mean we uh we I, I'm sure will be looking to rehome a cat and we will be yes looking at the rehoming centers for for that because there are always lots of cats that need a home but I just adore the older cats I think they have so much to offer and their their characters obviously are set you have you know this fabulous character and they typically are very affectionate more homely cats Um, they've done their their fighting and their hunting days (laughs) and a little bit of a life of luxury and a life of company fabulous companions Um, so I yes I love the old dudes (laughs) 
<laughs> Me too. It's it's hard not to have a soft spot for them, is it? They'd love to curl up on a lap and and yeah, give you more than we can ever give them, really, I think, at the end of the day. You know, we talk, as I said earlier, we can be their servants, but my goodness, do they do they give back ten million fold? <laughs> hugely, hugely. Well, that's something else that I think people who are not sort of cat lovers can't really understand because cats superficially look so selfish don't they 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 you know they eat the food and then they go out <laughs> but that's so not true isn't no. it and they are fabulous companions and i i think um yes anyone who has perhaps lost a cat uh recently and is thinking shall I shan't I well I, I'm sure there'll be lots of older cats that just will be desperately looking for your sort of home to move into. So we'd encourage anyone who's thinking even an inkling in that way to to call up their their local pet shelter or rescue home and have a look. We've uh, hopefully focused on the, the, the positive and the happy sides of the senior and the super senior and celebrate all those golden oldies out there. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, on that note then, Sarah, thank you so, so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been really wonderful to chat with you. And thank you for your your honesty and your compassion as well. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. So that's all for this episode of The Pet Pod. And I'm delighted to say that Sarah's book, Caring for an Elderly Cat, has all of the information we've discussed as well as much more, including some really great stories about senior cats. So go and grab a copy online or from your local bookshop who can order it in for you. And we're also going to be adding some links in the show notes to Sarah's virtual cat cafe. Don't forget, no one knows your pets like you do. So if you're ever worried or concerned about their health, please be sure to contact your local veterinary practice first. And to make sure that you receive the next episode, please do like and subscribe. And I want to say thank you again to YouMove for sponsoring today's episode. And thank you for listening. Mom deserves the best. And there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.